This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. I'm Chris Hambling and I'm your host today as we look back at Palace's 0-0 stalemate against Newcastle. The Eagles had the better of the game and the best chances but ultimately failed to capitalise. We're taking you through the key talking points, incidents and performances and we'll also take a look at the general reaction to the draw from the fans across social media. My panel tonight is DR Kernas and Simon Pizzi. We'll be back in just a moment. Love our podcasts. Listen to our live radio show on Love Sport every Thursday, 7 till 9 p.m., 5, 5, 8 a.m., DAB Digital Radio and online, lovesportradio.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Book Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Let's just get on with the show. Uh, later on, uh, well, I can say later on this year, it's in fact, it's, in, it's a couple of weeks now, uh, a number of us will be doing the Palace for Life Foundation Walk. Um, so do look out for us begging on social media over the next uh, next couple of weeks because we've still got a target to hit. Uh, and I am genuinely terrified as to how on earth I'm going to do this. I will do it, categorically will do it, even if I have to crawl over the, the, the finishing line. Is it going to be a finishing line, do you reckon? Anyway, um, let me introduce my panel. First up, Dr. Kernas. Hello. Hello. It's uh, it's good to hear your your voice. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> I'm, all right. I'm all right, but it's not about me. I want to know all about you because now you're a university student. How's it been? Um, yeah, it's been good. It's it's much better than school. Let me just say that. Yeah, it's way more independent, and yeah, I'm excited. New new start. Now, when I went to university, DR, the way more independent part became a problem very, very quickly um, to the point where I only went into university twice. I went for one lecture and one seminar. Uh, have you beaten my record already? Um, I've been to one lecture. I haven't been to a seminar yet. So, yeah. <laughs> like I'm still so, yeah, winning. Got, yeah, you're still winning, but I'm trying to beat that record. I'll right. try my best. <laughs> have you deliberately not gone to something yet? No, because... When I went in uh, last week, when it was fresh the week, they told me, they said, you know, you're adult, it's, it's up to you, but, you know, I'm trying to be like an adult, but I don't know how long I'll keep it up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> what a ridiculous thing to say to you. I should have seen it in your face. You're an adult. <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> I nearly fell I'll, I'll be honest, I nearly fell asleep today, and it was actually horrendous. I nearly fell asleep on a tube, and everyone was laughing at me. It's it <laughs> it so much stressful, but yeah. 
it's, it'll, it'll be it'll be some of the best uh, best years of your life, Dr. So uh, do enjoy it, but of course you've got you, you know you've got to focus on the learning. That's my advice to you there, Simon. Hello, great to see you all again. Hello. Yeah, yeah, it was nice to physically meet you uh, up at uh, Huddersfield, wasn't it? It was, and you've let me back on as well, so I can't have made that bad an impression. Well, exactly. Um, I've I've managed to be a very enthusiastic person to speak to. It was good. You are. You just do too much. All this running and you know, and health business and all that kind of thing. I do genuinely have Um, an enthusiasm issue. I I do need to stop being so enthusiastic. I'm sure if you said, I'm sure if you said, I'm going to punch you in the face now. I think I'd probably be really enthusiastic about that as well. (laughs) Well, let's let's see how it goes, and if 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 that happens, it happens. Uh, But yeah, great to have you back on, Simon. We were due to have. Nick Gillard with us today, but he is—he's uh, pulled a sickie, guys. So I'm quite, quite—I feel quite let down about that. What do we pay him for? Well, exactly. I mean, he's—he's he's only really here out of habit, anyway. And you know, he's, now he does this. So uh, I'll be making sure. Obviously, if he does uh, three occurrences of sickness within twelve months, he will go onto the back of the nest sickness review plan. <laughs> Um, with HR, <laughs> of course we're going to have to employ an HR department now. But uh, there we go. Anyway, let's just get on with the uh, let's get on with the show itself. Um, not the greatest of games, of course, guys. It wasn't particularly enjoyable. I'm saying guys a lot, like I'm a cheesy radio presenter. Do you like it, guys? <laughs> I like it's it. Awesome. Yeah, it is. You're right. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I hate myself. Um, but right. I think we always start when we talk about the game with the lineups, and it, it was good old Roy. Don't change your winning team. Exactly the same setup as we played against Huddersfield. Now it's worth a couple, looking at a couple of things there. Obviously, we won the game against Huddersfield, but uh, those of you that were there or, or saw it in full will know we were we were certainly second best there. So I have to say, I was a little surprised. What about you, Simon? Yeah, yeah, I was I, I was surprised. Um, but you know what Roy does? He never changes a winning team. It's sort of like a, it's a habit for him now. And he's, he's not going to change, is he? And he's 70 years young. Uh, but I wanted to know what DR's reaction was because he was, he, was, he was pretty concerned when Mayo wasn't in the lineup at Huddersfield. I think he was going to explode. So I just want to know, did he explode on Saturday? <laughs> um, I didn't explode because I'm used to Roy's uh, antics. So I, I knew that he wouldn't change, first of all, a winning side. And as Chris said, we didn't really deserve Mike from Huddersfield. But the fact that we won that game, I knew that Roy wouldn't change the lineup. And yeah, if you're if you're looking at how we played yesterday, it was it was it was a similar story. We we defended well to what we've done so far this season. We defended well, but going up the pitch and creating chances and finishing finishing them off, it wasn't really up to the standard that it should be. And that's really the disappointing thing. But if you look at the lineup, that lineup was more than capable of beating this Newcastle side, and um, I don't think there's you know you could put May in there, but it, it was still capable lineup, and I think it was strong enough. But it was unfortunate that we didn't win. Simon's got his hand up. I'm just wondering, like, he's kind of thinking, you know, when I saw the lineup, the first thing is, where do you go if you saw off? Because that's two games now where I know are you didn't deserve to be dropped. He, you know, he's probably one of our best players against Huddersfield, but. I mean, he's sitting on the bench. He's not getting a game now. If he's not getting a game now, is he going to get a game when Benteke's back? So I have to I have to be thinking if you're him, you're probably wondering, what am I doing here? Well, you have that, that really difficult situation, don't you, where the players that aren't in the team, a fair few of them are going to need a run of games before you can see if they're even up to it. You know, a lot of people have written Solov off already. 
I'm not one of them. I, I still think he's got an awful lot to offer. But I, I just feel, you know, he need, he's going to need sort of minimum five, possibly even, you know, 10 games to see if he's, he's going to be up to the standard. And realistically, he's not going to get that. So that's when you start looking at, you know, loaning a player like that out and seeing if they can kind of develop in that way. But it's a when you haven't got many striking options, it's a, it's a very difficult thing to sort of to start looking at. Um, so I talked a little bit over you there. Dr. did you want to add to that? Um, yeah, with Serloff, uh, we've seen a fair bit of him from uh, now, but I just don't think he's up to the standard that he should be. And I don't think we should rush it with him. We've seen him playing cup games and we've seen him playing Premier League games, but personally, I haven't seen him offer much. So it's just one of them things that if I was Roy, I wouldn't start Solof as well because he's a different type of player to um, Ayu in terms of he's more of a target man than a striker. You can actually pick up the ball and dribble with it. So yeah, it yeah. makes it makes better I, sense I, for Ayu starting because it benefits players like Wilf. You get more time on the ball. But it was interesting. I, I thought the little spell that, that Solof did have off the bench, it just gave uh, Newcastle something different to think about because they'd had a... Obviously, we've been creating chances, but having that physicality in there just gave him something different for that last few minutes. And I do genuinely think that if we'd played on that a little bit more, maybe five, ten minutes more, that we would have played with that urgency, that we would have actually gone on and won that game. But uh, I'll probably repeat that uh, statement a few times throughout the course of this review because it's it's kind of where I... I've been talking a lot about just having that that urgency um, from the very, very start. And the weird thing was we did have that urgency from the very, very start, uh, but it dropped off pretty quickly. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll come back to talking, talking about the lineup when we talk about Mayer in a little bit, because again, obviously he was left off. We've talked a little bit about that around DR's reaction, but I've got a few things I want to say around that because um, we had a, a question in from a listener. So, but but jumping ahead to the, to the first minute, now I will say I didn't see this until I saw the highlights because I was queuing outside. It was... A little bit ridiculous trying to get into the ground, uh, but it was it was a break down the right hand side from Townsend cross excellently uh, for for Jimmy MacArthur. Jimmy MacArthur, that'll do. That's his name. That's his name. Uh, and he really he's got to do better with the header. It's such a you know promising start, and that again these are game changing moments. We've missed a lot of chances over the last you know last few games, uh, and when you see you know Jimmy Mac getting ready to head the ball in, okay, Dr. He's not known for his heading ability. I think he scored one, one header for us. I can't remember exactly who he was against, but I honestly, I think again, key moment in the game, and you expect him to score, don't you? Yeah, um, it, it, if you're if you're a Premier League player, and as you said, I know Jimmy Macker, Jimmy Mack is not known for his um, heading abilities, but it's just one of them chances which he actually did get his head onto it, and if he hit, hit it on target, then it could have been a different situation. But it was still a good start, and. That's really the story of Palace so far this season. We've only scored, I believe, four goals in six games. It's not the fact that we're really poor going forward and creating chances. I know we could be better, but we're not finishing our chances and it does cost you in the Premier League. And that's that was the story yesterday, uh, not yesterday, against Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that should be yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, so I've gone with Jimmy Mack. You've gone with Jimmy Macker, which is confusing. Simon, what are you going with? <sighs> Jimmy Mack. I'm trying to think of another combo, but I'll probably stick with Macker. Uh, pay it safe. Jim, Jimbo Mack. How about Jimbo that? Mack sounds good, yeah. 
But what is it? I mean, I don't know if this is just me, but it seems like since we've been in the Premier League, whenever we don't have our big striker up top, we whip in loads of crosses for players that are not naturally gifted in that department. And then when he's on the pitch, we just don't deliver anything. There's two or three times during the uh, Newcastle game, I thought, awesome cross. So, you know, we talk about a Sacco miss later. But if that had been Benteke, I know people will say, well, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of the boat either at the minute. But you'd have thought if he'd been on the end of that, that's a goal. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. But, I mean, I saw the, there was a stat going around. I think Terence retweeted off of the Red Blue, Red Blue Army uh, account where it was number of big chances missed by players and Benteke was in there and he was there was some great company in there Salah was top of chances missed but you look at the, the conversion percentages everyone was around I think the lowest bar Benteke was about 36% and Salah was about 50% Christian Benteke had scored three of 27 big chances three 11% I think that's just unbelievable that's so so I have the exact inclination to think as you do, Simon, other than the fact that I now I'm starting to realise I can't claim that it would have, if Benteke was in. But I know exactly what you mean. We do we have a tendency to put him the kind of cross that Benteke would seemingly thrive on uh, when he's physically not there. Mm. And I suppose you're kind of hitting the nail on the head of one of the issues that we have um, that I've noticed in, in the system that we're currently playing. Um this sort of this sudden switch to a to a four three three, we haven't quite managed to get enough people in the box when we do break. Mm. Um, mm. You know, and that that's about being brave, and it's about sort of taking chances. And obviously, I think Roy will always be a pragmatic kind of coach where he'll set up the team in, in an organised way. And it's you go back to last season when you think about PVA breaking into the box all the time. You know, he's not really done that as much this season. I run other than against Fulham, where he had the a really good goal, rightfully disallowed. But I think we're we're lacking that little bit of energy for someone to get in the box. Um, although Coyote tried it a couple of times, and we'll we'll talk about that performance. But you know, look, we had we had that flying start, didn't convert, and we kind of just settled back into this kind of rhythm that we have. This kind of I call it sedate. I'm probably being a bit unfair by that, but I think there's there's a degree of you, you know, it's great to send a team out to, to be relaxed and to, you know, to play without fear and without worrying and to, you know, try and, you know, try and play without the anxiety that can really cost you. But it nearly cost us in, in, a, in a very real way, in my view, because James Tompkins was incredibly casual uh, with with Ayose Perez running him at a full pelt and, uh, and was caught out. And Perez, I, I mean, they are, the, the chance was incredible. It was he was completely through at the time. I just saw, I saw it and I thought maybe Tompkins had got a, somehow got a toe end from, because I had a very difficult angle from up in the Arthur to see it, but having seen it back, Perez just literally passes it back to Wayne and we really got away with it. And like I say, it, it just seems that we were way too casual there. Yeah, that was, that was really unbelievable. I was just thinking as soon as he shot down, he actually, it was that easy for Wayne to catch. I just thought, imagine that was Benteke. Like we wouldn't hear the end of it, and yeah, it was. I I don't know what exactly it is. I think Roy likes you know to take time. He likes his side to take time and build up possession and go up the pitch like that. But there's of course downside to that when teams pressure you like that, um, and you're too comfortable with playing or with playing it slowly. That stuff like that could happen, and it happened from a player that's probably been one of the most composed player in us in our team and in our defense in James Tompkins. So. It was just one of them, one of them things. Um, 
but yeah, it's just we need to up the tempo a bit, maybe. And like that, maybe you could even create more chances and be more of a threat as well going up the pitch. And also defensively, it might reduce errors like that. Well, Simon, it's that word tempo that DR's used there. Like I was watching Premier League years, like I always do when there's nothing on TV. And I, and I honestly can't even remember who was talking about it now. But they were talking about the best teams um, and how that they are able to... It's not just about controlling the tempo of a game, that they understand that each match has a sort of an almost an optimum tempo you took to win at. And when you... I think he was talking about Man United when they were incredibly dominant. Uh, under Ferguson and how he just had this knack of getting the team to go out and play at the, at the right tempo and to recognise when they needed to up it or whether they needed to lower it to kind of kill the game or uh, kill the opposition crowd. Uh, is that is that something that you agree with, something that you see at Palace that we're currently failing to do, particularly with our, our home record at the start of this season? I think you're right because it's easy to say that, you know, I mean, first, I definitely think and I get DR and yourself, I mentioned this a lot on the Love Sports show on a Thursday night. Great plug. Um, I know um, missing, massively missing Kabai in the midfield and Ruben Loftus-Cheek because obviously Kabai would pick up instantly and he would, you know, pick an awesome pass out straight away without you really even thinking. And you miss that speed in the midfield. And then obviously with Ruben driving at the defence, the opposition defence, that's, that's made a massive, massive impact. But it's almost like this season that Roy's told him to slow the pace down, try and pass the ball around, try and be a lot more controlling of possession. Because you can see them, I mean, there's, you know, as soon as they get it, it's definitely at Huddersfield as well. They're looking for a sideways pass or they're trying to control the ball a little bit more and they're, and they're, they're walking into mistakes. And as I said, I think, I think Hamba, I think you would have finished that one on Saturday that Perez missed. You would have knocked it. Might have you, you would have knocked it. <laughs> you would have knocked it past the hen without a doubt. But it, I, mean, I think it was just, oh, it was, you know, it was easier to sort of, it was harder to miss than score, to be honest. But I know Patrick's not on the call today, but I have to say, you know, to be fair to the hen, he didn't rush out. He stood his ground, you know, a lot better than he did against Southampton for one of the goals. So have to, you know, yeah. he did well there as well. Made, made him look himself look big, which kind of might put him off a little bit. But there is something definitely which looks a bit purposeful in the slow pace we're playing at, at times. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of took a moment to to look back at some of our sort of highlights from from last season. I've just I'm going to take a little break to realise that I've just accidentally at some point uh, <laughs> I have bookmarked in my in my favourites bar the phrase mango football. What's Anyone? that? Anyone? <laughs> what is mango football? Is that the well, style you want at Palace? Because, I'm not going to go into it, but Google away, everybody, in your, in your spare time. You'll see what you get. You're uh, still traumatised, Chris, from when uh, you had the issue with the mango last week and you're cooking, didn't you? Yeah, if, if if you haven't heard it, check out our Love Sports show from, uh, what was the date we did that? <laughs> Last Thursday, anyway. Um, that's uploaded. I did. I had a very, very traumatic experience with the mango, but quite why that's happened, I don't know. Moving swiftly back to the sort of the tempo issue. Uh, I checked out some of our, our highlights from last season. It's really noticeable when we were sort of free scoring that, it was very quick, lots of one-touch pass and move, but it was pass and move all the time. There was none of this um, knock it back and keep possession and pass it around a little bit. You know, we were very direct with our running, and I think that's what's missing. It's that direct running. And I think, Simon, you mentioned Loftus-Cheek not being there. That's definitely a big factor, um, but I'm, I'm sure there was others. Uh, deal. Yeah, Ruben Loftus-Cheek isn't there, but uh, we got Max Meyer, and I know on 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 paper, I know we say it on paper, but he's meant to be that player that could 
not really. He, he, in terms of footballing abilities and dribbling, he's meant to be that player that is similar kind of to Ruben Loftus-Cheek in terms of passing and how uh, how fast he is on and off the ball. So maybe if you put Mayer into the starting lineup, we could actually play the the, the football how how we played last season. So that could be one player could actually change our style of play going forward significantly. So it's just one thing that we have to wait and see until Mayer starts. Go Simon. I'm just, I just think to come back to DR, it's just like, who do you drop? Because I agree with you. I, I want to see Mayer in that starting lineup. I mean, I was thinking we looked really good when Soloff come on, but I, I actually I don't think it was him. I think it was Mayer that made the difference in terms of oh, yeah. running yeah. into the ball, making the quick pass, you know, being positive and forward thinking. But who do you drop? Because I think it'll be harsh to drop Jimmy Mack and I can't see him dropping... Milovejevic. So I just don't know. I mean, I just don't know who you would drop out that midfield. It, it, not because of quality, but just because of the way they're playing. I would. Well, that's the what you have to make sacrifices in a team, and that is one sacrifice that we could potentially have to make to benefit the team as a whole, especially going forward. Because as much as I love Jimmy Mack, even now, when even by saying this, like I'm not hundred percent certain that it should be the case, but. On paper, he should be the one that's, that should be dropped and Luca and Creatis sits back and that'll give the option, you know, of of Mayer going in uh, between the uh, behind the, um, the striker and operating and helping spline balls to the wingers and also to the striker as well because you have to drop someone and it looks like Jimmy Mack will be the most sensible answer to that because defensively we'll still be solid in having Creatis and Luca, but going forward, we'll have that extra talent in um, Max Mayer. Yeah, it's a fair point. I was just wondering if uh, it's a fair point, but I was wondering because, like you said, you know, Zaha had more time on the ball at the weekend than against Huddersfield because it wasn't Benteke, it was IU. So, but then is IU and he played well, but is he really? Would he, would we get more out of playing Zaha and Townsend up front, and then you can bring in Mayer and still keep um, Jimmy Mack on the pitch or Jim Bob Mack, as I'm going to call him? Um, so it's just, <laughs> it's just I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you think IU's done enough to sort of keep his place? I mean. I mean, personally, I think uh, Jay Macca Macca has, has it'd be, he'll feel very aggrieved to lose his place in the team. But kind of what Dr's saying, I, I, I feel I do feel like that myself. It's a bit like you, you, there is a sacrifice to be made there. Now, it's an interesting suggestion that you've come up with, Simon, that I wasn't really thinking about to go back to the the four four two, play Zaha and Townsend in, in those positions, like we did for for a very successful spell last year. And then still keep that four in midfield. That's that's definitely an option. But I think there's a definite push for us to use four three three. But for me, the, the the lesson to learn there is is to pick the right players to play the four three three. I think we struggled in midfield uh, at times against Newcastle, but it was an improvement uh, from the from the midfield that played against Huddersfield. So maybe we give it a few games and we see how it goes. But I mean, you, you brought us on to talking about um, are you there and. The, you know, after after the, the events we described so far, it was actually IU who got the next chance, um, and it was it was one of those where he, he he dived in at the near post to kind of flick a header across, but you see it quite a lot. Um, he he completely actually missed the ball with the head, and it ended up coming off of his shoulder and, and bouncing harmlessly, uh, sort of out out for a goal kick. But I mean, his general performance was was excellent, Simon against Huddersfield, but. Uh, what was missing against Newcastle? Why was it different? I think it's just match sharpness. So I think, it, you know, it, when, once you've been paid three or four, you know, 
five or six games, you, you start to get that sharpness and you get that instinct back, don't you, in terms of poaching for goals. I think that's all he's missing. He just he does need a running run sort of um, games in, in the team. But actually, also, I don't know, DR goes to a lot of home goal games, he'd get his view, but we play different away. We, we almost, I know Huddersfield was one-off, but we do slightly play a bit more counter-attacking football away from home. And actually, that suits probably the likes of IU who can pay off the last man a bit more. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fairness? Yeah, it is a good point you make because um, thinking about it, how we played against Huddersfield is the fact like Wilfred Zaha, our main star man, he was constantly running and there wasn't really this slow tempo football that we, like, like we saw against Newcastle. So you do have a valid point there. How we play against teams away seems different to how we play teams against home. Maybe we have to use that away approach at home at Solace Park and maybe like that um, we'll be more effective going forward as well because it it's... is noticeable. And in away games, it does seem like on the counter we're more much faster and more more of a threat rather than playing slow football. Well, I'll let Simon come back in on this in a minute. There's there's a couple of things. So f- first of all, you know, it's it's commonplace that you play slightly different uh, away from home, and clearly the the impetus is usually on the home side to attack. Um, so you do get that. It's a lot easier to play counter away from home than it is at home, but it doesn't mean you can't. I mean, Leicester won a title doing it. So, um, but. Th- before I get Simon's view on this, I do want to pe- draw people's attention to the fact that if you want to rewind to the point where I said Kernas, uh, you'll probably notice that I had a lung full of vape smoke at the time I did that because I wasn't ex- I was expecting DR to come straight in. Uh, so, you know, it's a little Easter egg there for you. Just just wind it back and listen to me struggle to choke the word Kernas for your own amusement. Back to you, Simon. I was going to say, it wasn't helped by the fact that, oh, I tell you, Rafa's tactics was was depressingly boring. He was there for a point. He got his point, but oh, it was so, so negative, so sort of deep. And I know the Newcastle fans are, you know, starting to get a bit fed up with the way he's setting out. But it was, it was a mixture of that. And also, I don't know if you noticed, they were rolling around on the floor. Just, it was just, it was quite embarrassing at times. They were so much rolling around, especially Perez in the second half. But yeah, no, I think Newcastle's tactics didn't help also. They were very, very deep and were happy to slog out for a point. That's the excellent point as well, there, Simon. I think it's interesting to look at it and say that may, maybe you know Ayu could end up being our striker away from home, and when he's fit, Benteke our striker at home or something along those lines. But you know we're certainly looking at. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 comments about Newcastle and how they approached. I think we often gets missed when we're when we're analysing games at how the opponent plays and uh, how they how they react to perhaps your previous game where they saw where Ayu was good. 
uh, perhaps negated the, the threat that he had. But you know, he had his moments in the game. He you know held the ball up reasonably well at times. But I just think he received a lot less of the type of passes that we saw at Huddersfield, uh, and people at times left him kind of isolated. But there was also I noticed at times quite a lot of swapping positions between him and, and Wilfred Zaha, and it shouldn't go unmentioned that. Um, Obviously, Wilf had a little bit of an injury issue in the warm-up and wasn't quite himself. He's probably still one of, I'll probably still one of the better players on the day, but um, but certainly wasn't at a hundred percent. Sorry, Dio, you want to jump back? Yeah, in? in terms of swapping positions, something just popped into my head that I noticed on the weekend is the fact that I don't know if I'm imagining this, but it seemed like last season there was there were, we saw Zaha and Townsend switch wings more often than we have done this season, like. Yesterday, not yes, I always say yesterday. <laughs> well, you know what? Against Newcastle, um, at times I felt like we was forcing it too much to Wilf. And the fact that Wilf had to come and collect the ball and it just wasn't working. And I would have rather yeah. have Wilf face player like Dummett rather than Yedlin who has pace. But we left it late and we've done it late. I don't understand why we don't switch it around sometimes to give the opponent more, more to think about because that's one thing that I noticed and it was really annoying because we kept trying giving it to Wilf and they already knew what was going to happen and we didn't really give them much to think about. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a really good point. We do Obviously, we're always going to, tr- where we can, going to try and play through through Zaha. But you're right, it is, you know, common, common sense will tell you that, you know, what part of playing through uh, through Zaha is trying to get him in a position where he's at his most dangerous. Like you say, there was a lot of swapping between uh, Townsend and Zaha last year. But again, it's the, you know with the system that we're playing, I think you know Roy's Roy stuck with a four four two for a, quite a long time with us now, and we got quite a lot of success with it last year. And the fact that we were only a couple of games into switching back to a four three three. You know, I'm I'm going to give it time. I'm not going to write off uh, what we're doing right now. Uh, you know, hey, we we haven't lost in, in two games, four points out of six. Uh, performances haven't been great, but you could argue if you were looking at a, you know, a graph of how good your performance was from Huddersfield to to Newcastle, it was a better performance, although not a better result. Um, I do want to quickly jump back to the the Max Meyer conversation because we got a, a tweet in from Cy, uh who's Twitter handle is Sabre74. That's not you, Simon, is it? You're, it's not me. It's you're not, not tweet, tweeting into your own to ask yourself a question. <laughs> um, and he's just said, it's nice to see Max Mayer get 30 minutes. Uh, he says, do you think Roy is slowly building him up for a start soon? It is. I tell you, the word slowly in there is probably the, the, the one. If he is slowly building him up for a start, I think at this rate, he'll be starting probably the 35th, 36th game of the Premier League season. Um, Little frustrated, obviously, dear. You know you've been frustrated with it, but uh, Roy was actually quoted as saying that you know he, that that Max may has settled very well and that they really do like him as a player and that he's he's ready, he's ready to be used when he's when we need him. Um, it's got to be soon, isn't it? First of all, I couldn't believe that we actually did a substitution before the seventy fifth minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah. so I was like, is this real? I was like, someone hit me so I can wake up. It was just unbelievable. But yeah, as you said, um. Roy has already said that he he likes Max Meyer and what he's seen from him so far. So it's soon if if we do continue like this and if we do you know not if we do end up not scoring as many goals as we should, which has been the case this season, then surely soon you're gonna to have to put my uh, Mayer in there to try out something new because you're not gonna to have to you can't just keep wasting games like this. And yeah, it should hopefully um 
over the next coming games, he should realistically maybe push into the starting lineup. But I don't know if it's a sacrifice that Roy is willing to make. Uh, fair play. Okay, moving on a little bit. So um, I think one of the other uh, features of the, of the first half was, uh, you know, we're talking about Zaha. He took a, took a couple of fouls. And a couple of those left um, uh, Luca with chances for a free kick. The first one saved quite well, sort of low down to the to the keeper's right, if I remember rightly. Uh, pretty do, pretty good free kick. Um, obviously, he's, uh, he's had another one saved and then swings in one later on that ends up hitting the post. And um, I think from Luca, most people uh, watching the game, observing it, Simon, were thinking, you know, actually, that's a bit more of a, a Luca type performance after his, his slow start to the season. A lot more challenges in. He, he put a couple of tough tackles in at, at one stage. Uh, distribution was a lot better. Uh, generally about the pitch, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about set pieces a, a, a little bit later on. But in general, um, he seemed to be approaching some better form. Would you say? Definitely, it was a lot more like the Luca we know and love. But I also thought what was telltale sign was a couple of the tackles that Zaha took. He was straight in front of the referee, making the case, demanding a yellow card. You know, wanting a wanting a free kick. And actually, against the you know the Huddersfield game, as as you know, Dr mentioned at halftime when I bumped into you again, he wasn't doing that. He wasn't he wasn't there. He was it was Jimmy Mack who was the one pushing. But um, he was definitely much more up for it and a lot more like his old self today. Yeah, definitely. I said today, I mean, not even yesterday. Exactly. I said today. <laughs> yeah, yes, this is the worst. That is, you, you, you've got problems there. I have. Definitely. I have. I'm time shifting uh, it. I'm time shifting. <laughs> um, so, how about you, Dio? Are you impressed with Luca's performance, or has he still got some way to go? Um, I, I'm impressed uh, due to the fact that he has improved, but it's still not the Luca that we've seen. In terms of defending yesterday, I liked um, some of the challenges he made and. As a captain, as um, Simon has already said, he he stood up and helped Wilf at when you know when the Newcastle players were pressuring him, etc. But in terms of his distribution, I don't really you know set pe- set pieces. I know we're going to talk about in a second. They're really bad, and also some of his passing. It's just weird seeing Luca you know, misplaced passes that ridiculously. I saw, uh, the first thing that comes into my head is that he tried to chip a ball and he just. He went to the Newcastle player like it was the easiest thing and everyone around the pitch was like, what's going on? And it's just frustrating because we've seen Luca give amazing balls to Wilfred Zaha last season, especially against Brighton. That's the most noticeable ones. And the fact that, you know, he's lost that passing ability is just frustrating. And once he gets that back, I think he'll return to his old self. But yeah, it was, there were some positives, especially there. But it's just the passing. He just needs to make that up to the standard he previously had. Yeah, I think I think that's 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 fair comment, and you know, but certainly some promising signs there. Um, in between his, well, in fact, um, one of his actual decent corners, um, he, he sort of he, he whipped it in. Sacco just missed it, uh, but a little bit of pinball. It ended up with uh, Jake Coyote with a chance, um, and unfortunately, he just massively underhit it. I think he was trying to a little bit like uh, Jose Perez when he's early with his early chance for Newcastle. I think he's trying to just pass it into the corner of the net, give the keeper the eyes. But uh, obviously the keeper's read what he was going to do and he's ended up passing it back to him. But what do we think of Coyote's performance? Obviously got substituted for Mayer um, later on in the game, um, but earlier than we thought he would. But overall performance, is is, is he real? Because we're kind of playing him in. So you've got Lucas screening and then ahead of him, it's, it's MacArthur and Coyote who are the, being asked to kind of do this box to box role, 
uh, but definitely get involved in a forward sense. So, I mean, does that seem to suit Chait Kouyate, or, could, or do you think he, he he sort of better used as maybe a, a similar player to Luca, more of a screening player, or a, even kind of a, a you know? more of a defensive midfielder. Well, firstly, when Roy made that substitution, he nearly killed me because I was eating the grape and I was that shocked. I started choking on the grape and then I was like, this is, <laughs> I thought I was literally thought I was going to die at one stage. I thought Roy's killed me. But on a back to Carter, I think, you know, he, I'm really impressed with him. We bought him, you know, so what, what a deal at 10 million pounds. I can't, I still can't believe West Ham have sold us Tomkins and Coate in two seasons. Well, you know, three seasons for best part of 22 million pounds it's just it's just ridiculous i don't know i don't know if actually like parish has got something on them because we just seem to keep getting this these awesome deals i i think he could he can he can either sit in the sort of um Milovic position or he can play just in front i think he can do either really he's got so much energy and he's got a good eye for a tackle i think he's going to be a class act for us i think moving forward it's such a good deal for us but you do you think the same thing? A few a few more games, and we'll see we'll see the best of him because you know again substituted at sixty fifth minute, which suggests perhaps that he was underperforming. But what, what was your I view? Also... Sorry, oh, sorry, 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 I, said, I did. Sorry, my fault. No, no, I agree. I think a few more games, and he's going to be awesome. Now, I, now I'm also I'm, I mean because I'm actually quite excited about the midfield because you look at um, we had punch on the bench, and I know Dr's mentioned a couple of times that punch has looked good in some of those free season friendlies and, and the sort of league cup game, and he might play tomorrow night. But, you know, he still maybe can offer something in the season as well. Well, there you go, Dale. All over to you. Um, Yeah, I was really impressed yesterday and I was actually shocked when you got substituted. Yesterday? Yesterday, oh. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long day. I've been falling asleep on trains and people have been laughing at me. (laughs) Let let me off. All right. (laughs) All right, all right. Yeah, I I I was really impressed because one of my biggest worries with Kyrte is that if we play Coyote, I thought that the midfielder would be a bit too defensive having Coyote and Luca there. But going forward, he was actually he was actually a threat. So I was really impressed with him and hopefully he keeps up. And I think that's the perfect position for him personally, for um Coyote. Just in between Maka and Luca, because he can do the defensive side of things and also he can do the attacking side of things. So I think it's a perfect position for him and I'm excited to see what he brings for the rest of the season. Well, there we go. I don't know. I, you know, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I have some some doubts over whether he's right in a in a three. I guess. I guess I think I think the same thing. I don't. I, you know, I think with a few more games, um, he, he could potentially excel in that position. Um, I've just always thought of him because I think probably because he's um, uh, he's he's covered at centre back for West Ham. I think I think I've always thought of him as just kind of a, a defensive midfielder who. Can, who can potentially contribute if he finds himself up upfield? A little bit like, a little bit like Luca, really. You know, we've seen him smashing long range goals, that kind of stuff. And I've kind of always had Coyote as, as that type of player uh, in, in the back of my head. But I think, yeah, maybe maybe it's a position he can grow into. And there were some interesting signs against Newcastle, but obviously Roy made the decision to take him off and uh, and not anybody else, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later on. Another thing that happened in the uh, first half between these Luca free kicks was. We had a, a real moment of, of of poor defending from a Newcastle corner. Now, stat before the game is there were only two clubs who hadn't scored from set pieces in the Premier League, and it was Newcastle and Palace. So, wasn't really expecting a goal from the from the corner from either. But Newcastle got very very close, and I don't know why uh, this chance happened, and it it really does concern me because all it was was a 
a fast near post run from from Jamal Lascelles, who's an excellent player. I'd really, really like to see him at Palace one day. Uh, and he glanced, glanced ahead of him, and it only really needed, you know, a little diversion, and it's in the back of our net. But um, we, we got away with it, and you know, so we, we obviously we'll talk about set piece delivery, Dr. But what about set piece defending? We're usually very, very good. Have we let? Um, one of the centre backs, yeah. Free. I I remember that. That was just unbelievable. I was so shocked, and it's just one that it managed to get away with it, and it was poor from themselves. I, I expected him to finish that, but you're saying that we've been good with defending set pieces, but I don't know if I could agree on that statement because I remember I don't know if it's this season. I remember last season definitely. There was times where we just looked so shaky in defending corners. I just remember that. And I remember, I think, start of this season, it was the same as well. So it's just been, I don't know what it is. I think um, I, we talked about it previously with Keith Millen, um, you know, being charged with set pieces and he's gone and how that's impacted the team. But I, don't, I wouldn't agree that we've been perfect in defending set pieces, but that's been one of our weaknesses. So maybe I've maybe I've just shut out the anxiety and panic that happens every yeah. time there's a set piece against us. Maybe I've just kind of got used to it. Help me out, Simon. What, are we good or are we, are we rubbish? Well, I, I think one of the things that has improved the last couple of games has been the hen. I don't know if you've noticed against Newcastle, he came out and he actually did manage to collect a couple of decent um, crosses and corners. So I, I felt a bit more assured from him this, this week. I know a lot of people aren't assured when, when we're you know, facing set pieces with a hen in goal, but I think I think he did make a couple of good, good catches. I, I, can't, I don't know what we were doing. Were we trying to play zonal or, or man-marking? Because the way he just ghosted through the, the entire that line to get that header I thought it was in to be honest and I, I said what were we trying to do there do you think was it zone or was it man well we've always done a little bit of both with under Roy and usually what happens is that the key men you know the top the tallest the best headers get picked up man for man and then then the rest of the team zone mark but you'd be very much expecting uh LaSalle to be a key man one of those who was, who was man marked but it wasn't just that he got away from his marker who was slow to follow him. No one followed him. So uh, I don't really know what to say about that. It's a good question. Um, did I answer for yeah, you, Yeah, perfectly. You, you, perfectly. you answered it. You said exactly what I'm, I was going to say. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad, to get this, glad to get your seal of approval. Uh, thanks Thanks very much. I feel good about myself now. You should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, no, yeah, look, it, it is what it is. It was it was a chance for the opposition. They perhaps should have done better, and we certainly should have defended it better. Um, a little bit of a warning sign, but in fairness, it didn't really happen again, so perhaps we learnt our lesson uh, from that. I suppose the final thing to talk about uh, is just to go back to that, um, the, the very, very cynical foul on Wilfred Zaha by Yedlin, rightfully booked um, Andre Mariner uncharacteristically doing quite well throughout the course of the game as a referee. Didn't really feel any anger towards him, which is a new new experience for me. He usually enrages me continuously. Um, and we had that that free kick swung in by, by Luca and ended up hitting the post. And it's just so, so close. Just any kind of a touch. And it comes off the inside of the post as well, which is the worst thing. And um, I, I saw it back a few times, and it was only about, well, let's just say how sad I am, it was only about the sixth or seventh time I saw it back that I saw it got a very slight nick off of James Tompkins to take it into the inside of the post, which is probably why he failed to react um, when it bounced back out. Um, but so close, and it kind of would have been, 
a fitting reward for being slightly the better team at half time. But so what were we thinking at half time, guys? We get in there, it's nil nil. We've had a couple of chances. We've hit the post. Um, so Simon, you're happy at half time, and what are you thinking about the second half? What do you want to see? I think I want. Yeah, what's happened with the half? It was a good half, considering the Huddersfield game. I wasn't, you know, wasn't sure what to expect, and especially when I thought Zaha wasn't 100 fit after going off with his back problem before the game. So I thought, yeah, overall it was okay. I think we're hoping. Normally, Roy gets into them at half time, and you know, hoping for a bit of quicker coming out of the blocks, a bit more, a bit more urgency with the passing, and a bit more tempo as we talked about earlier. But yeah, overall, we were definitely the dominant team, and if anyone deserved to be going in. In the lead, it was definitely us. And Kernas, what about yourself? So, good. Did you want to see any changes at halftime? Or you, I know it's unusual that you'd get that from Roy, but uh, were you happy? Just think more of the same, or, or yeah, or more of the same. We uh, we've created chances definitely, but it's just um, hitting them back of the uh, back of the nest. Back of the nest. <laughs> back, back of the nest. Well done, mate. <laughs> little, little promotion there. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, am, I am worried about you. Deeply worried. You, yeah. You're all right. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm just really tired. <laughs> yeah, you're just hitting back of the net. Um, that's 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 what was missing, and I expected you know the, the team to carry that on. And as Simon has said, Roy normally gets into them at half time, so. Yeah, it was a good half, but I just that there was that little worry because it always happens to us when we miss chances. I was just worried that Newcastle is going to get that one chance and they're just going to score and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be an undeserving loss. But yeah, luckily that, that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it bothers you too, but I hate it when teams switch um, before the to kick off, so we're shooting towards the family end in the second half. I really hate that. You know, you always have these visions of the second half. You know, some of those games when we got promoted. Who was it we were doubt we were losing 2 0 to in the first half and then the second half we scored three? Um Cardiff, yeah, and you know, you love those scenes of Wilf and you know the old days Blast tearing down the wings in the second half and just destroying teams towards the end of the game. But I always think it's not going to be a good second half. I don't know why when, when we've had a switch of sides. Also Sorry, I need to I need to say this because it's been in my head for like months and I've never been when do we ever win when it's raining? Pick me again. We never win when it's raining. <laughs> Honestly, we like I, I want the listeners to tell me when have we last won when it's been raining? I, I, I can't remember. Every time it's raining, I just remember well, Paddis losing or not winning. Like Do let us know, because I honestly can't think. But but in my head, I I've always evening games at Sellers Park when it when it hammers it down. People will get, always get needlessly excited, and it always ends up being a good game and a good atmosphere. Uh, that's that, but I'm probably I'm thinking back to championship days now. I really am, uh, where you'd be really really bored, but because I don't know, because you hear a crack of thunder or something, everyone gets overexcited. But I genuinely can't I can't think. That's it. It's a question out of nowhere. They are that um, <laughs> I need to do some research. If Terence was on, he'd undoubtedly be able to tell you. Um, but I'm. I'm struggling, I'll be honest. But uh, yeah, any anyone listening in wants to let us know, do get in touch via our various means of getting in touch, either on Twitter, on Facebook, or on our threads on the BBS, or I don't know if we've got one on that today anymore, possibly not, but um, but do do let us know. Um, right, okay, okay. I was I've been thrown by that question, and I'll continue to try and think about it as I as I try and present the rest of the show. Um, interesting to see that Newcastle went with a half-time sub, bringing on Hosselu for for Rondon. And I'll be honest, I didn't notice for quite a while uh, on on the day. But then um, I, I I think it was Tilly's little overhead kick chance. Um, 
probably about 10 minutes into the half or whatever it was. But um, he did have a little claim for a penalty. I'm, I'm struggling to remember exactly what it was, to be honest. I wrote the show plan yesterday. <laughs> so um, anyone remember, <laughs> Simon? I can't remember it, but but on that Rondon point, he was awful. I mean, I know we, we, were, we were after him, I think, at one stage, and people were talking about we linked with him. Maybe it was the season... West Brom got him all the season when you know, last season, but he was awful. I'm glad we didn't get him. He looked absolutely off the pace. He, he looked pretty awful. Apart from when he played against us for West Brom and he scored that cracker in the first game of the season. Well, that's exactly it. When I watch him play at his best, to me, he's he's the exact striker that that not necessarily that we need, but he's that type of striker that would do well at Palace because he runs a lot. But but he did run an awful lot in the first half for Newcastle and was rightly rightly taken off had a, had a horrible game I'm not sure what was going on with him really um, but anyway there's it was like a you know all I, can, all I can remember about it he was claiming a penalty I think oh I do remember it now there was a ball that was played in from the right a very good cross it kind of went behind the entire defence uh, so the defence were running backwards with their with facing goal and obviously the Newcastle strikers doing the two strikers doing the same thing and obviously you look at it and you think that all Hosselu has to actually do is jump and stick a leg out and he'll convert that chance. But he didn't. He ended up uh, falling over and suggesting that he was pushed by James Tompkins. But, it, you know, looking it back, I've actually seen him given for for that small amount of contact. But realistically, he's gone down looking for the penalty. And, re- and if he hadn't, he might have had a chance for a tap-in. Simon, yeah, you I remember it. it that now? was it straight away. I was watching it on a less than uh, official stream, and the, the commentators were like, "That is absolutely embarrassing." Was the first response they said. It was easier for him just to stick his sort of body into it and potentially get a touch on it and then dive. Um, and they actually used the words "dive," and I'm not sure if it was. It, it was perhaps um, it, sort of a theatrical fall, as uh, as Jamie Carragher said. But uh, I, yeah, it was embarrassing to be honest, and it summed up. He looked awful as well. He looked pretty much off the pace. And I think if you're a Newcastle fan, you should be worried about your striking options if those two are your number two targets. And why did they get rid of Gale? Because Gale was actually a much better option than those two, from what I've seen. Oh, don't we haven't got time to talk about Dwight Gale? Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> I I have I have very strong views. I've opened up um, a can of worms. He's definitely going to score against us. That's 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 a death. yeah yeah on Tuesday. Oh, what on Tuesday? More, more than that. Don't say that. Likely, yeah, but anyway. But um, yeah, you'll be able to you'll be able to witness that there. live in front That's of your it. face. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so look, you know, he claims penalty doesn't get it. A little bit later on, he has a, an unchallenged overhead kick. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'll be going over old ground if I go into that too much. I just felt our lack of urgency. I'll, you know, our just playing playing a little bit too relaxed, and I think that's that's what happens. You occasionally give players more space than that they should be given. Okay, you're not usually expecting someone to whip out an overhead kick from distance there, but at the same time, you know the the marking should be tighter than that. And it was a bit frustrating, and it's all of those things. When I see that, when I see that that inability to mark tight when there's a ball coming in from deep, I just think that's that is laziness, or at least you're not thinking about the game the way you should be. Just, just my opinion. Uh, one of the key moments I did want to pick out from the uh, early exchanges in the in the second half. James Tompkins went steaming in on Perez. Quite a nasty challenge. Look, he was obviously you know he's going for the ball when he's late. We've seen it before. With all the discussion over the tackles on Zaha, that's the kind of thing that gets thrown back of us. And my only question is, Dr. If we're looking at that challenge and it's on Wilfred Zaha, would we have been claiming red card? 
That's a really good question, Chris. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking, looking, looking at it now. I could see that I had a very clear view, and it looked very dirty from Tomkins. So I was, I was straight away looking at the ref and seeing what he was going to do because the way that Newcastle uh, players ran. I thought the referee might give a red card. But yeah, there, there is a point there. That could have been a red card. And I think we were lucky with that because it was really dirt from Tompkins and he got nowhere near the ball. It's a sort of thing that will get round back in our faces by other clubs every time we claim, we claim uh, Zaha's being harshly treated. So uh, it's just interesting to see a, a challenge from one of ours go uh, go unpunished in a, in a similar way. Um, so let's, let's jump straight ahead to... Um, I think up to the hour mark, the only real chance we had in the second half, and again, I'll just reiterate how disappointing it is that we're the home team, yet we don't really muster anything up for an hour. And then when we do muster it up, it's Townsend in a great position for a shot and just absolutely ballooning it over. Simon, we we, we love Townsend's running. He's become a proper Palace player. You know, he's got his own song. Everyone loves him now. But bottom line, you know, whilst his, his crossing is improving, particularly on his right foot, the the end product in terms of goals is is just getting found wanting. Is it something that we should be concerned about? Definitely. I mean, last time I was on in the Liverpool game, I was saying, actually, you know, I was defending him and saying, well, you know, he brings other things to the game. He brings his running, brings his pace and takes people on. But he just doesn't, he doesn't do enough in front of goal and he has lots of opportunities. And, okay, it was unlucky with the one where, it was against Liverpool where he hit, does he hit the crossbar or at the post? He's really unlucky on yeah, that crossbar, one. yeah. Crossbar. But actually, he doesn't score enough for a person of his talent. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it is really. Even when he played on a two up front, he, he didn't he didn't really do anything on that, you know, in front of goal either. So I think it's definitely something to be worried about. Yeah. And then DR, look, we we got to 65 minutes and all of a sudden it happened. Roy woke up, made a change. Was it the right change? Taking Coyote off for Mayer. Yeah, I, I said it earlier on. I it, it, I was shocked by it because Coyote, I thought he had a very decent game. But I would say it was the right change because um, if you're looking at Coyote compared to Max May, I think Max can offer more going forward than Coyote can. So it made sense in that aspect, but you could have taken off Jimmy Mack maybe. But that was exactly. one decision that Roy... Yeah, that was one decision that Roy made. And it, it was as long as Max came on the pitch, I was, I was, I was really happy. I know... He, that one player had to come off and in between, uh, I didn't see Luca coming off, so he had to be either Maka or Coyote. So I was happy that Max did come on and when he did come on, we saw, I, I don't think the game changed significantly, but we created um, uh, noticeably more chances and yeah, I think it was it was a correct decision. Well, for me, it was it was the urgency changed. You know, Mayer, he covers a lot of ground. You know, he was put in that position that Coyote was playing, but he didn't stay there, did he? He didn't just stick on the sort of slightly on the right-hand side of a central midfield. He was all over the pitch looking for the ball, looking for angles, looking to try and find others. Wasn't always successful. You know, occasionally was caught in possession a little bit or occasionally, occasionally misplaced a pass. But he's he's always forward-thinking. He's got very, very quick th- quick feet. And that changes the players around him. And, you know, very quickly afterwards, we uh, as discussed earlier, we, we brought Serloth on for, for IU. And I think that, those two substitutions together, those are what changed the game because all of a sudden you've got centre backs who've got a massive, great presence in uh, in in uh, Alexander Serloff. Who's you know it, just his physical size creates a completely different equation uh, for the defence to deal with. You know he, he he towered above both of the centre backs. Um, 
So they're, they're immediately worried. They're a little bit on the back foot. And then you've got Mayer, who's, you know, quick feet creating stuff. So all of a sudden, you know, Simon, we're, we're a different team and we've got this urgency. But like I said at the start of the show, I felt we play for five, ten more minutes, we'll probably score and we'll win the game. Will Roy look at that and think, why aren't we playing with that urgency? Or will he just, will he think that actually we create enough chances to win the game anyway? I think you'll probably think we created enough chances to win the game. Look, I think if Lascelles doesn't play that game, we win anyway because you know, he, he is their, by far their best player. And it was a doubt, wasn't it, whether him and Shelby would be able to play. So that, that was a shame. But yeah, I think another 10 minutes we win that game. I think he's got to, and I know I keep saying this, but he's got to start Mayo for the next game. I, he must have seen enough of him now to realise that he is going to make a positive difference. Again, going back to earlier, I don't know who you drop for it. I mean, you can't drop Jim Bob. But you've got to you've got to drop someone, and it probably have to. It'd have to be MacArthur because you won't go without playing. Uh, you know. How many times this season have we been talking about the last ten to fifteen minutes? It's normally related to substitutions, but it's just I don't know what it is. But I have a feeling it's just a player's mentality. It just seems like they just up their game towards the last fifteen minutes, and maybe they have to take responsibility even more to do it before the last fifteen minutes because. It doesn't seem like a coincidence now because I remember it happened against Watford and I'm pretty sure it happened against other teams as well. I just can't think off my head right now because it's been a very tiring day. But it's all, it always seems like the last 15 minutes is the same scenario for every game and we do up our game. So why don't we do it before the last 15 minutes? Just like Roy with substitutions. It is an age-old question though. It's, you know, quite often the question you're, you're fine with Palace, certainly. Um, but I'm sure it's the same for every fan is why do we only start playing well after we conceded? That's another common question yeah. that gets, gets asked. And it is, it is funny, isn't it? and it's exactly what you say, Dio. It's about mentality. You know, I don't have too much of a problem with not not playing like you in the last five minutes throughout the entire of the game because, you know, you will get tired and you will make mistakes and you'll leave yourself open at the back. But, you know, again, you're bang, you're bang right when you say it's mentality. It's going out and understanding that you can put... You know, you've got to get yourselves in front in the game. And it doesn't, it's no point waiting until the last 10 minutes to really put the effort in to do that. You know, yes, of course we tried and we created chances, but we didn't really put Newcastle under as much pressure as we should have done. And I think the real lesson to learn from the last sort of 10, 15 minutes or so is that Newcastle really looked like they were struggling when they were put under pressure. And it, that's why it felt like a wasted opportunity for me because. You know, you you up until that point they looked like they played a brilliant defensive game and they negated our threat. But just by that little shift, but just actually chasing things down, making you know making more forward or more risky passes, and actually just trying to create that a little bit more, it showed where they are, where they are weak, and that's that's why I left the game frustrated. Simon, do you think Chris, if Mayer starts that game, we win? Oh, it's a good question. Um, I do, I do, but at the same time. You no, know, I do. I do. I just think his his how he plays would have just spurred us on that a little bit more because I just think what little I've seen of him, it's not a huge amount, but he always he's always forward thinking. Mm. You know, he's not interested in recycling possession. He's thinking about what's what you know. How can he help the team score a goal? It sounds so simple, but you know, a lot of players I would suggest are very sort of stats orientated. And they don't want to. They want to be high, you know, high in their 
their passing stats. They don't want to take too many risks. And you see that in certain players who just, like I say, they recycle possession for long periods of time hmm. but never really take the risks that you need to take to score goals. Deal. I don't know with that one because if we wasn't creating chances, then if putting Mayer on, I think it'll be beneficial. I think like that, we, we we could potentially win games because we'll create more chances. But it's the fact that we're already creating chances is our finishing. Like yesterday, when... Not yesterday. Oh, jeez. Just like when we played against Newcastle. <laughs> What's up with yesterday? Yeah, just just like when we played against uh, Newcastle. Um, the other... Yeah. Jeez, now my brain's coming up. Exactly, on Saturday, <laughs> when we played against... He lost it. Yeah, what when you know the Sacco chance, like what Mayo couldn't do anything about that. It's all up to the players as well. So I don't know if we could, I'm like guarantee a win, but I know what you mean, Chris. It would improve our chances, but it's just yeah, it's just a finishing. Yeah. I think that's that's our. I, I know I know what you're saying. Like, it can only ever be an opinion. We won't ever know because it you know it didn't happen. And for all we know, Mayo playing might have left us open for a counter attack that that was closed off by either Maka or Coyote, whoever would have it would have come in for, you know, we don't, we can't possibly know, but I, you know, like I say, I just feel the mentality of the player would, would certainly help us. You mentioned the, uh, the Sacco chance that came from uh, Max Mayer winning a corner. And um, I've put in my notes, it was the one in five good deliveries that we seem to have with corners. Ball was cleared wide after it. Uh, Newcastle did well to sort of get it out of the area, but Andrus keeps it in just very, very, very tight. Whips the cross over and oh my God, you know, I, I have to say, and I, I put this on Twitter, right? when I saw it from the back of the offer, I thought it cannot possibly be as bad as it looks from this angle. Because from this angle, it looks like the worst miss I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so I did ask the question, and apparently, well, I've seen it lots of times since. Um, how's he missed it, Simon? Come on. I just, I, it was awful. It was awful. And they kept focusing, the camera kept focusing on him after after that for about... The next fifteen minutes, he just kept looking at you know he was he was so mortified. It it was shocking. It was a shocking miss. I think even I could have finished that. Yeah, I mean, the you know we've we've seen people miss chances. You know, especially as as Palace fans, we see a lot of them. But what what's the re what's happened there? What what has he done? <laughs> I don't, I, I've honestly I really don't know because I'm not a pro footballer, but. Maybe I could have even scored that. It's just one of them things. I remember Troy Deeney last season at, at Sellers Park. I, I don't I don't understand how he missed that. It's just it happens to all players. So it's just one of them things which actually costs us points. And I know at the end of the season when we look back at it, we won't really think about it much, but all these little points, all these that that we're missing out on, it just catches up and it's just disappointing. I just couldn't believe in the stats to be fair. Well look, you know, you can't you can't you know, you can't crucify the guy for it. It just, you know, like you say, it happened and it happens in football. Uh, we had a little chance later on as well. I think you get this, I call it a little chance, but but Wilf actually made it a, a fairly decent chance. Drills it across. And again, MacArthur doesn't quite get there. And Wilf doesn't quite get the shot right. So it's not really a shot or a cross. It's all those really fine margins. But unfortunately, full-time whistle went and it was nil-nil. Um, like I said, I'm not going to be too down on it. It was a better performance than the performance that won the game against Huddersfield. We carried on with a 4-3-3, made some early changes. So there's lots of positive signs. We created so many chances and, and at least one that was, <laughs> you would think, unmissable. And and there we go. We you know It was it was what it was. It's a it's a point. Uh, we stopped the run of defeats uh, at Sellers Park. We, you know, we'd just like to see a win. 
next time we play there that'd be that'd be good because uh, it's really important really important that we have a, a a decent home record this year if we don't want to get dragged down into the battles that we've been dragged down before very quickly guys who was your your man of the match start with you dr Oh, my man of the match. Oh, probably Wan Bissaka. Actually, that's not that right, that high. Going forward, <laughs> yeah, going forward, he was he was a threat defensively. He was brilliant, and yeah, it was another brilliant game from him. Simon, oh, um, I'm going to go Jim Bob, Jimmy Mack again. It's just his energy in the midfield. Um, he's he had a couple of chances. He was unlucky with. I think he had a really good game again. Yeah, and there there lies the 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 problem. He plays well. He does the best that he can possibly do. Play, you know, gives everything that he can give. But is he a better player than Max Mayer? Who knows? Who knows? Hey, who knows? You know what I think. Uh, but no, fair play. Uh, my man of the match. I agree with Dr. Aaron Wambazaka. Excellent again. Um, oh, we were going to have a quick look ahead to West Brom in the cup. We mentioned it a couple of times. All I'm going to go with is that we all reckon Gale's going to score. Um, <laughs> and um, but I'd, I'd like to see, obviously. Part of me says I don't want to see Mayer to start because I want him to start the next uh, the next Premier League game. But seeing as that's on the Monday against Bournemouth, um, I'd quite like to quite like to see him start. You know, good shout to get punching in that team. I think Serloff's got to start as well. Uh, Joel Ward, I'd like to see come in. Obviously, um, Johnny Williams. Johnny Williams, definitely. I think he played really, really well um, against Swansea. So yeah, a lot of players I think need to get some some game time and try and maybe force their way into the reckoning for Roy in the Premier League. Um, a little bit of contact roundup before we end. I'm going to quickly go down to... There's a couple of uh, questions that sort of relate to stuff we've just been talking about. Lockie said, will we ever win a home match again? We will, Lockie. <laughs> Obviously, at some point we will. Uh, it just feels like we're not good at it at the moment. Um, as long Chuck, as... Sorry. As long as it, if it doesn't rain, then we will. I believe in that. Well, there you go. We think. Yeah. <laughs> so do let us know about the rain games. Yeah, the rain. <laughs> please let us know. We had two questions in from Chuck. Uh, the first was, why didn't the HF just continue until a new plan was decided on? I'll very quickly mention that. Uh, the All I'll say on it about <laughs> uh, talking about stuff that I probably can't talk about uh, is that if you... you if if you imagine that most of most of what's being discussed is about how difficult it was for the HF to create an atmosphere on their own at the front of Block B, losing so much sound out the way the way it was, and obviously those discussions took the route that they took, and obviously, you know, clearly there was a breakdown in between the club and the HF that, that hopefully is now you know being sorted out. Um, and I hope to see some information come out about that in the near future. Um, so the idea of them continuing in that position, I just don't think that there was any real desire to do that. I think it became a little bit soul-destroying for the for the guys, from what I understand. So I understand that people are, you know, can be a little bit critical and say that, you know, if you'd stayed there and this and that, but ultimately I think in the long run, all of this will end up for the better. Simon, you've got your hand up. Oh yeah, Danny Webster asks when when is Wickham back, and I just think never. I just, <laughs> he is back in training. He is back in training. We'll see. We'll see, eh? Uh, Chuck also asked why have our set pieces been so bad. I'm going to ask you, Dr, to answer that as quickly as you can. What's happened? Is Lucas taken them? What's going on? Maybe possibly change Luke because uh, Luke hasn't been that great so far this season. So maybe change personnel. 
on set pieces. Maybe that could improve it. Uh, other than that, I really don't know. Practice I think not having, not having the option of Kabai to take him when, when Luca's delivery is not right. Townsend is a little bit inconsistent. I just think it needs, it's, it's clear that a lot was being overhit, but maybe it was those rainy conditions, eh, dear? That was making it difficult for exactly. us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's the rain. Honestly, it's the rain. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the rain. Okay, a uh, whole bunch of questions from Facebook as well. I know you picked one out there, Simon, but I can have a quick look at some others. Uh, Matthew Harrison just saying, forward, forward review question. How did he miss? We've talked about that for a second. We've got no idea. Absolutely no idea, Matthew. John Lennon, not that one, said we play better without Benteke. Um, Simon, what do you think? Do we play better without Benteke? Yes. There you go. Ian Donald asking a similar question. Did we miss Benteke? Simon, did we miss Benteke? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. no. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, nah, listen, I, I'm not going to get on the, the hate bandwagon, but he's clearly been ineffective for, for a long period of time. And I hope that when he comes back, that is not the case. Uh Mark Collins has asked the question about whether Townsend has enough of an effect in games for all his work rate. He's largely ineffective, especially if you think how Blassie used to influence matches. Do we get enough from him? Obviously discussed that already for you, Mark, but thank you for your question. Uh, generally speaking, we don't think we do get quite enough. Paul Martin asking about Max Mayer. Hope so that's been covered as well. Charlie Bruden is saying take Lucas off corners, so he's agreeing with you there, DR. Uh, Mike Clark says, does the 4-3-3 work with IU or are we missing a focal point? Um, we've kind of covered that and we think maybe the idea is a little bit of extra time will probably help us there. Um, but uh, just to see if just see if it worked, but perhaps the difference between home and away um, strategies um, will make, uh, the, you know, make either are you effective or not effective? That was our general point from earlier. So hopefully we've answered that for you, Mike. Uh, Simon Pronger said, would you buy IU off Swansea or look for someone different? He suggested suggested a couple of players, Origi and Sturridge. Uh, what's your view on that, DR? Would you take IU off of Swansea now? Um, not now because we haven't seen enough of him, but so far it's been all good. I'll just, I'll just wait on it a bit more. There's no rush right now. Okay, there we go. Uh, one for you, uh, Simon, and it's a good one. It's uh, from Keith Match Diamond. Um, he says, what player from the Palace past would you want back in the side if age wasn't an issue? Oh, uh, Andrew Johnson. Andy Johnson, he'd be great for us right now. He could lead the line on his own, couldn't he? Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's putting a few suggestions of Lombardo, right? AJ Martin, Lee Sinnott. <laughs> Lee Sinnott. Wow. Wow, that's going to keep me awake tonight, that one. In, in a bad way. Just so weird. Uh, Peter Hostackley. Uh, despite Sacco's miss, his performance was fantastic. My man, a match three clean sheets in four games with Tompkins. Their partnership is the best outside of the top six thoughts. Absolutely right. Really glad you uh, you sent that in, Peter, because get a little bit lost what, uh, talking about Sacco's miss, but it was a terrific uh, performance overall, and he has been brilliant for us alongside Tompkins. I think to some degree we may take him uh, for granted a little bit these days because. Uh, Certainly, the two of them are excellent. Aaron Paul of Love Sport fame getting in touch asking if I had a cheese roll at the Victory Club. I didn't, and I also also didn't have any mutton rolls. So I'm very very sorry, everyone. The actual wow. the fact that we didn't win is actually my fault. I've got to take advantage. I've got to take responsibility. Nav, who I go uh, for lunch with to have mutton rolls, is absolutely furious with me. Um, I've, I've had a message every day since. Um, 
Um, and, and I expect that to happen until Thursday where we're due to have mutton rolls again. Um, and I dare not miss it this time. I've actually got the day off work to ensure it happens. So um, I'm sorry, everyone. I am sorry. And last but not least, Andrew Kidsley, were you as ma- amazed as I am at how mature Hennessy has become? It makes the easy saves look easy. That was not the case a few months ago. M- months ago, not months ago. Uh, most improved player. Um, as much as it sounds like you're trolling Patrick, um, and it's, it's a very good comment. I would say how best to explain what I feel. Um, I, I think he has improved hugely. Um, I have to be honest, right? And I have to say this, and we we're talking about it in midweek. I still start every, every game, you know, every game when I'm waiting for the team to come out, I still hope that Gates has replaced Wayne Hennessy. That's just my opinion of, of who's, who's the better keeper. Um, and I just, I just want to see something different. However, I, I have to be very respectful of, of the fact that Wayne has been excellent for us over a period of time. But when I was, if I just look at the Huddersfield game as an example of that, I think just after the game, we were talking about it. And Mike said during the, the podcast said that he had a good game. And I sort of said, yeah, 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 just carried on with it. But I hadn't actually watched anything back. After I watched things back, it was one of those games that Hennessy has every now and then where I just feel he looks from the very, very start, he looks nervous and jumpy and he puts that kind of fear into everyone, everyone in front of him. And I just, if he can eliminate that, I'd probably be a lot, I'd probably sleep a lot easier. Uh, but he's certainly, he's certainly been a, an improved player. Uh, any comment on that gents before i uh, close this down um with with wayne i don't think he's improved drastically what he has managed to do is play good on more of a consistent basis which wasn't the case like he'll have one good game then have bad uh five run of games and then have another good game so consistency is important and i think he's improved on that and some of his decision making has slightly improved it's just um, stuff against Southampton, you know, coming out, etc. That's that's kind of poor, but he has improved. I think it's a bit harsh if we drop him right now because he, we've kept clean sheets and he's, you know, he's played a part as well. Well, Gaeta almost certainly will start in the cup, and we'll we'll see how he gets up. Okay, thank you very much to Dr. to Simon, and obviously to Mikey for producing. And also, thank you very much to you for listening. You can down uh, subscribe our show via your chosen podcast app. Uh, so you don't miss a thing we do three shows a week now so strongly recommend that you do subscribe if you don't so you don't miss anything Uh, if you do ever have any problems accessing the show in any way do let us know via social media or indeed via our message board threads so a huge thanks to all of you who got in touch this week you helped shape the show Uh, and if you want to do the same thing make sure you engage with our social media accounts we'll be back in midweek with the love sport live show and Terence, Sam and Albert will be previewing the Bournemouth game, uh, as well as no doubt looking back at the West Brom Cup game, uh, I would suggest. Next review show uh, will be out soon after the Bournemouth game as we can manage. Goodbye. Back of the Nest Match Review Podcast. www.backofthenest.com It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in?
at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.